This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Saturday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice here to talk gambling. Because guess what, man? You're going to be able to gamble in Ohio on this stuff next season. So we we are going to talk a little bit now about why Nathan, Stephen, and I were so terrible with our advice on the Buckeyes this year. To do that, we bring in the fourth member of Buckeye Talk. Tyler Shoemaker, odds maker extraordinaire. T Shoe, this is mostly going to be a podcast of excuses because I just totaled it up. This year, with the picks that Nathan, Stephen, and I made against the spread for Ohio State, Nathan and I were three, eight, and one, and Stephen was four, seven, and one. The over unders, Nathan was three, eight, and one. Stephen was four, seven, and one. I was five, six, and one. The totals, Nathan, 6, 16, and 2. Stephen and I, 8, 14, and 2. And so I just want to talk about how everybody was wrong about Ohio State every week this year, right? Teach you or are you lying on a bed of money? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but um, I – so I tallied it up. I was 6, 4, and 2 against the spread – betting Ohio well picking Ohio State games I didn't I didn't bet them all in fact I rarely bet them at all this year um and then on totals I was seven and five so pretty pretty good I mean you know over 500 so I'll I'll take it but um yeah they to your point it was it was difficult especially as the season went on because it's kind of the old saying the more the more you learn you realize you know nothing it was kind of like that where you know they show up against yeah, yeah. <laughs> they show up against Michigan State and the offense is, is clicking on all cylinders and, and they look great. And the defense pitches a shutout, basically. And then they they turn right around and, and play play that game against Michigan. So it was it was very back and forth. So I, I'm honestly, I'm a little surprised that my numbers came out that well uh, with with a team, especially with their issues being a lot in the red zone. You know, red red zone is where totals and sides can be made or broken because, you know, three versus seven, when you get in there, that that's a big difference when you're, when you're talking about betting. So obviously, I mean, there were, there was some luck there for sure. What a team like Ohio state, and this certainly applies to this year, but applies to Ohio state every year. Is it harder or easier to bet a big time college program who typically is favored often by a lot? Like I, I, compared to like, for instance, NFL bets where there's so much parity, man, if you're favored by more than a touchdown in the NFL, sometimes that's a big deal. Ohio state is often favored by, you know, more than, more than 20 points. I know I got this thing from bookies.com that was 
the Big Ten records against the spread this year. Uh, by their numbers, Ohio State was six, five, and one. Like, if you're trying to really analyze, if you're trying to just make money, right? It's not a, if you're just trying to throw some money on your favorite team because that makes sports maybe a little more fun for some people. Then do what you want to do. Just don't do too much. But if you're actually trying to make money, do you? Do you, do you lean on big-time college favorites or do you stay away from big-time college favorites? Or is it all about just finding the right moment and following your numbers and doing what they tell you? Well, it definitely, you know, every decision I make does start with the number, but I think it's less so about how big they're favored, more so than it is the teams that are favored by that much, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, those teams, they're always on national TV, so they're always in, in marquee games, which – is going to generally attract more action. So the lines generally in those, in those games are more efficient. So it's a little bit harder to find an edge in those games. So that's, that's why, you know, you hear me say, I don't bet Ohio state a lot. Part of that is, you know, just, I, I don't want there to be any blind spots from, you know, just from my fandom. Uh, but the other side of that is from a, from a number standpoint, a lot of times their, their numbers are, are just too efficient. Because the more action, it's just like anything. Like if you're taking a survey of people, if you survey 50 people, you might not get a great, uh, you know, accurate view of things. If you survey 10,000 people, you have a better chance of getting a full view. That applies to betting as well. It, yeah, it evens I, out the number. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking at like a Marshall versus Middle Tennessee State game, you may have like two or 3,000 bets on it. But if you're talking about an Ohio State Michigan State game or something, there may be 16,000 bets on it. So that that line just getting hammered, you know, more and more to what it truly should be. Do you like, um, I know like, for instance, sometimes I guess this is how life works. This is how gambling works. It's like you see something initially and you're like, oh, I don't know. And then after the fact, it's like, well, of course that happened. Like Bama as an underdog against Georgia in the SEC title game. It's like Nick Saban was like, ha, ha, ha. Thanks for making us an underdog. And it's like, my God, you could have built a new house betting on Bama as an underdog. They hadn't been an underdog in five years. Sometimes you see things after the fact and it's like, well, uh, uh, you know, of course I would have done that. Um, like, do you look for those? Do you, do you try to seize on moments where like a big time program is an underdog for a rare moment? Not that Ohio state, I mean, Ohio state, I don't think was an underdog. Was they an underdog at all this year? I don't think they were. No. So like you couldn't seize on that with Ohio state, but how do you view that? The moments one Ohio state or like that one Bama is an underdog. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, going back to last year when uh, Ohio State was an underdog against Clemson, like I was, I was all over that because, um, like you said, those, those big time programs don't get to play the underdog card card very often. So when they do, I think the players really buy in, uh, and that's spoiler alert. Uh, Clemson's one of my best bets this bowl season because they're a one and a half point dog to Iowa State, and I think it's going to be a similar similar situation where Dabo finally is going to be able to play the the underdog card and it, and it be true. Uh, so I, I like the I like the spot that they're in, but yeah, absolutely, that's something I would look for. Was the the Ohio State offense, and you listen to the podcast, so you know we went back and forth on this this year. Of okay, are we actually analyzing this game, or is the Ohio State offense so good like nothing else matters? And there were a couple weeks where the Ohio State offense was so good nothing else mattered, and then there were some weeks like against Nebraska or against Michigan where it was like, well, no, that was not the case. They did not score a touchdown every time they had the ball. What, what, when, when Ohio State's offense is like that, right? Like, how did you view the Ohio State offense this year, both as a fan, just as a football watcher, 
And also as someone who's trying to analyze the Buckeyes from a betting standpoint. Yeah. Like I said, it, it was really difficult, mostly just because the the red zone inconsistency just made it, made it really difficult to get a grasp on from a betting standpoint of what they, what they were going to look like, because if they, like for instance, in the, in the Michigan game, they, they come out, you know, the, the big um, talking point from fans and media was, well, they, they're just throwing the ball way too much in these tight games. So then they come out against Michigan first drive of the second half and it's run, run, run punt because they couldn't get anything on the ground. So the, the inconsistency of the run game and in the red zone in particular, I think made it really difficult to, to get a gauge on, on the offense this year. Okay. Do you ever, is this ever a gambling strategy? Just pick a team and like ride with the team on one side of the spread all year. Like say, I'm going to bet, I'm going to take Michigan every game, or I'm going to take, I'm going to bet against Northwestern every game, right? Because I just think maybe they're misvalued. I just think they are much better or much worse than the general Vegas view of them. And if I just hit that every week, I'm going to end up winning more than I lose. Is that ever a strategy that gamblers do? It's, it's not. And it's hard because like you look in hindsight and it's like, okay, well, Michigan was 11 and two against the spread this year. Great. But in real time, you know, week to week as those games are happening as a, you know, as someone who studies this a lot, I, I would have a hard time doing that. Now I may say, okay, Michigan's been undervalued for two or three straight weeks now. Maybe, maybe the odds makers don't have a grasp on them. Let me see what my number says. And if my number says, yes, they're still being undervalued, then it's like, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to bet them because the, the trajectory shows and my number, you know, when they're in agreement, that's a bet for me, but I I wouldn't blindly do it because in my mind, eventually the odd, the odds makers are going to catch up and it, it, you have to look at gambling, like buying stocks. And, you know, if you're buying Bitcoin now, as opposed to three years ago or, or whatever, you're, you're late to the party and you're not, you're not getting the value that you were getting three years ago. So that's, that's kind of how I look at it. So a, a team like that, um, it, it would be difficult to just blindly say, I'm going to, I'm going to ride with them no matter what. Do you want to explain Bitcoin to me? Do you know what it is? <laughs> I don't, my, my wife is all about it. I I'm not, I'm not really a crypto guy. I, don't, I, I spend way too many hours doing this. I don't have enough time to study, to study crypto also. I, the shoemaker household sometime, like I'm going to send you a text and it's going to be answered by your Butler. And it's going to be like, Tyler is not available right now. Your wife's in Bitcoin. You've got the gambling figured out. You guys are uh, going to be buying property. So, Cause I, I'm looking at this thing from again, bookies.com. And like, you can see, of the 14 teams in the Big Ten, let's see, nine of them finished between seven, four, and one and six and six against the spread, right? Which is nobody's, if you did what I just said, hey, I just bet on them every week. Nobody's getting insanely rich off of any of that. But you look at the teams that were sort of like, okay, there was actually like a trend to their seasons. And again, they kind of make sense the regular season, as you said, 11 and two when you had the Big Ten championship game. Michigan 10 and two against the spread, Michigan state eight and four against the spread. Those are two teams that had like lousy seasons last year that it probably just took the general populace a long time to catch up on how good they actually were. And they both won double digit games. Meanwhile, 
Maryland four and eight against the spread. Northwestern three and nine, and Indiana two and ten. Northwestern's a team that won the Big Ten West last year. Indiana was like the darling of the Big Ten going into this year and had an absolutely awful year. And it, people were probably slow to catch up to actually how bad those teams were. Is that how it usually works? Like, the, do the, is, do preseason opinions really truly sort of influence how people bet teams throughout the course of the year that you're still betting Indiana in week 10 being like, Oh no, I think they'll turn it around. They feel like a great value here. I can't believe I'm getting Indiana plus 11. It's like Indiana stinks by now, man. Indiana stinks. Yeah. I I was just having this conversation with, with someone the other day and I do understand why preseason projections weigh into a team's power rating, obviously, particularly early in the season. That makes sense. But even, I mean, even like Bill Connolly, I've, I've seen him tweet that like SP plus is designed to slowly react to what he calls trends, but what I would call is actual performance-based results. So that's why you've got a team like Clemson started off the season 0-7 against the spread because their preseason projection is, you know, that they're a top three team in college football and they weren't that. You know, I, I think they got it together towards the end, but um, yeah, I think there are people that, because the college football season is just so few data points with, you know, with only 12 games in the regular season, people will still really rely on those preseason projections. And I mean, you look at a team like North Carolina, who some people were picking to go to the playoff or at least compete for the ACC. And like, I don't know what their ATS record was, but it couldn't have been good because I felt like they were overvalued most of the season. In fact, I, I was their week one game against Virginia tech. I was on them and that was kind of my um, stick in my neck out there best bet of the week. Like everyone's on North Carolina. I'm on Virginia tech and Virginia tech won the game outright. And then their coach got fired by the end of the year, but they were better than North Carolina on, yeah. that, <laughs> on that day. Let's, let's talk I, I'm back towards Ohio state a little bit more here before we're going to do some bowl picks. And then again, just talk about in general, for, if you live in Ohio and I know a lot of people listening, don't live, don't live in Ohio, but maybe you already have sports betting in your state. Just a little bit about like, Hey, if you're thinking about doing this, maybe here's some, a little bit of advice, but we do want to get some bowl picks. The Rose Bowl. Ohio State opened as a seven-point favorite. It's at six and a half right now, 66-point over-under. When you get into bowl stuff, and again, you know Ohio State really well. We're trying to figure out, is Garrett Wilson going to play? Is Nicholas petit Frere going to play? Those seem to be the two main guys maybe that are up in the air. Does motivation factor in into how you try to analyze this from a betting standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. The bowl season is is really difficult, you know, for someone like me that relies so heavily on the numbers and the and the data based on what you've done, because kind of what you've done doesn't necessarily matter, you know, 100 percent going into a bowl game, because you look at a team like Utah, who I mean, this is their dream scenarios to go to the Rose Bowl and play the Big Ten, you know, the the marquee brand of the Big Ten, whereas Ohio State had national championship aspirations two weeks ago. And now those are gone. And like you said, now now we don't know who's going to play and who's not. Um, so, like, my number on this game, I made it Ohio State minus 10. But I, I'm i not betting it. I'm not, I'm not betting the side. I I don't feel good about it. In fact, I've, I've told a couple people, like, I'm not sure we're going to win the game because motivation is just such a huge factor in a, in a matchup like this where Utah's not a sexy brand. So I don't, I don't know how jacked up Ohio State's going to be to play in this game. And this is Utah Super Bowl, so I I don't 
I don't like that from an Ohio State standpoint. I do believe in getting on site at the bowl game and trying to get a feel for how things are. You get to talk to people on both sides. You just sort of get a feel of like, who look, you know, you get glances at practice, who looks like they're kind of taking it seriously, who looks sort of bored, who looks like they're just looking at palm trees. I, I, I believe in that for bowl games to some extent. We're not at that point yet. So we'll gather more information and we'll talk about that more on Buckeye Talk as we get closer to the game. What do your numbers say about Utah? Like how good of a team, if, if it's the true Utah team, are they – like a top 15 team in your mind? Are they a top 40 team? Like how much respect do you have for them sort of as a football team based on what they've done this year? Yeah, they, um, I mean, like I said, I, I project this game at two at, at 10 points. I'm looking here at my power ratings to see, but yeah, they're, they're about a top, top 15 ish team for me. So, I mean, they're, but the, the problem, too, is like we talked about the preseason projections weighing into that. Utah, since they got away from Charlie Brewer and, and went to the, the guy that's starting now, his name escapes me, but they've been excellent with him at, at quarterback. Yeah. And they've been they've been a, a totally different team. And I mean, they manhandled Oregon twice, you know, so I and the way they play to me, they're kind of just Michigan West. And that obviously is a concern for Ohio State coming off of what was a terrible Michigan game. So, yeah. I, I, uh, as an Ohio State fan, you know, I hope the fan base at large and, and the team, obviously, like, I hope they have a healthy respect for what Utah is because it's, it's not a, a huge marquee brand, but I do think they're a very good football team. Let me, let me just talk to Tyler Shoemaker, just the Ohio State fan for a second here. How did you feel when you watched the Michigan game? Were you in shock? Were you mad? Were you sad? Were you, were you like, ah, those are the Ohio State vulnerabilities coming home to roost? How did you feel about it? Yeah, well, I was cold for one because I was in the big house freezing my butt off. And it, that's you know, right. That's so right. <laughs> to to be sitting there getting snowed on and watch your team getting the ball ran down their throat wasn't a great feeling. Um, but yeah, it was because I was at the Oregon game too. So fair disclosure, I, I won't be going to a game next year. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, it it felt like being at the Oregon game all over again, where we just didn't have an answer defensively, and the offense was fine but not otherworldly and it needed to be otherworldly in that game to have a chance with the way the defense was playing so yeah uh particularly in the second half you know the defense did get a couple stops in the first half uh which i know you've pointed out uh but at halftime i kind of felt like both teams should feel pretty good right now like michigan's up one so i'm sure they would take that we're down one and have played like crap and then um, we're getting the ball like we're fine and then it's Three and out, Michigan comes down, scores, and then I, I, I looked at my buddy that I was at the game with, and I was like, "That's that's it. I don't I don't know that we're coming back." I would I would love to still know that that third and two play call to open the second half, where they basically leave Josh Ross unblocked to tackle Trayvon Henderson, is is among the more befuddling plays. Like, what did you get a different look defensively than you thought you were getting? Did somebody? Did you have the long, wrong blocking scheme in there? Did what did 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 somebody do something wrong, or did you just get out chess match there? Because to have your third and two play be their best linebacker is just meeting your freshman running back in the backfield is like, well, that how can that be the thing? How can that be the thing? It's more one of the yeah. most stunning things you'll see. 
Okay. I do want to talk about, though, the other side of that game, which will lead us into a little bit of some of the bowl stuff and the semifinal stuff. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. All right. Doug Lamar is back with our guy, Tyler Shoemaker. I, I've said this on this podcast multiple times. I was talking, you know, people at Ohio State the other day, and I was saying it's like, I think Michigan's good. Like, I, I think that 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 should make Ohio State feel better in my mind. That Like, you lost to a good team on the road in bad weather when a couple of your guys were sick, whatever. But it's like Michigan, the bottom line is you lost to a good team. I think Michigan absolutely deserves to be in the playoff. I think Michigan can hang with Georgia. Like, I don't, I don't think this is, this is not a fraud. This is, to me, this is not like even losing to Michigan State in 2015 and then Michigan State goes to the playoff and shows like, well, they're not good enough to be here, right? That, that this is, this Michigan team, of course, doesn't have as much talent as Ohio State, but they have some real talent at some really important spots. And by the way, they have like one of the two best defensive players in college football is going to be a top five pick and he changed the game. What do you think of Michigan? And then we'll talk about what that means for the Michigan Georgia game. But what's your view of them? Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think, I think this year was kind of the perfect storm of you know Michigan had a lot of seniors. You know, Hassan Haskins had an excellent game. Aiden Hutchinson obviously had an excellent game, and pretty much all of Ohio State's best players, with the maybe not maybe not best that's probably the wrong way to say it, but a lot of Ohio state's key contributors are freshmen and sophomores. And when you get a bunch of freshmen and sophomores against a bunch of seniors who have never beaten Ohio state, you know, I, I just think that was the perfect storm. I think Michigan has enough talent, obviously, you know, that they could come in and they had a great game plan on, on both sides of the ball. And I mean, credit them for, for getting it done. I, I, I don't think Ohio state has anything to, you know, hang their head about, like, like you said, it's not the 2015 Michigan State game or the Virginia Tech game in 2014 or anything like that. Um, I just think you tip your cap and, and go to next year. And I, from an Ohio State perspective, with the way they've recruited and with the way the young guys have um, developed, I, I would be optimistic going into next year. Like, I don't, I don't think if the question is, did this year change the trajectory of the rivalry? I don't, I don't think that's the case. So – on the college football survivor show that I co-host with Shahan J. Haraja, we last Wednesday did a full hour long breakdown of Alabama, Cincinnati, that game where we thought each team had an edge, that kind of stuff. We're going to do it this coming Wednesday for Michigan, Georgia. So I have not completely dove. I didn't dive in yet on the Michigan, Georgia side of things. But the reason that we did Michigan, Georgia second is because I'm still waiting for Georgia to bench Stetson Bennett. And it's like, how can you evaluate a team if you don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be? But You know, I think when you look at, we had so much respect for the Georgia defense, but Michigan has such an offensive identity. They, they have a cadre of backs who are real dudes. Their offensive line played very well against Ohio state. JJ McCarthy is a nice little wrinkle. And then you get to the other side of the ball. And it's like, I think Aiden Hutchinson can make life as difficult for the Georgia quarterback as he did for CJ Stroud. I think it's, what is it like eight and a half or so that line right now, Tyler, I don't know what I think of it, but I think Michigan will compete. So like, what, what is your general view of from a betting standpoint or otherwise of Michigan, Georgia, from what you've looked at so far? Yeah, I I agree with that. I think one, it, it just seems to me the mentality of this Michigan team, or at least from the outside looking in, it seems different. They seem to have a different confidence about them this year. And I think it starts with, 
Aiden Hutchinson, the way he kind of carries himself, not in a not in a cocky way, but you can tell he just truly believes like I'm good enough to to put the team on my back. And and he was against Ohio State. And that's what he did. Uh, so I, I definitely think they can compete with Georgia. Um from a betting standpoint, my numbers make that seven. So not a ton of value, but I mean, if if you're getting seven and a half or better, which right now it's eight and a half, you know, and you want to bet that, I Michigan would be my lean. Um, but I'm I'm probably not betting the side in that game. I do like the total. Uh, the total is 44 and a half, and I project that at 50 and a half. Uh, so I will I will be betting the over in that game. Well, part of that too is I mean George's office. George Pickens played some snaps in the Alabama game. He's coming back a little bit. Um, again, Michigan kind of does what they do, even against that Georgia defense. I think Michigan will put a couple drives together. And then I think both defenses are also dynamic enough to create points that I I think Aiden Hutchinson might create a touchdown. I think that that Georgia back seven might get a pick six on Cade McNamara, who every now and then gets a little three quarters release there thrown over the middle of the field, all of a sudden, a safety stepping in front of a of front of a throw and running it back the other way. So that seems like a very uh, logical bet to me as well. Now that you said it, I'm just going to agree with you because that makes me sound <laughs> smart. Let's talk about the Alabama Cincinnati game. Then when, when Shahan and I broke that down, I really did just come around to the idea of, we were talking about who has the, what, in what area does each team have the biggest edge? And I had an easier time pointing out Cincinnati's obvious advantages than I did Alabama's. Other than saying like, well, maybe Will Anderson will just blow everything up and win the game by himself. And Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, I get all that stuff, but you look at Cincinnati's secondary, you look at the Alabama offensive line problems against the way that Cincinnati can get after the passer a little bit. And then I just, I I really respect Desmond Ritter and sort of being in control of the game like this. Again, that's much different than what Alabama did to Stetson Bennett. Desmond Ritter's not going to let that happen to him. This is a two score edge, right? That's the line on this. That just seems, that seems a reputational line to me. That is, if you're, if you're giving Bama two scores, that's up highest upside, best of Bama versus a group of five. And like, I don't think that's what this is because Cincinnati is as when you go through their talent, right? Individually sauce Gardner and my Sanders and Alec Pierce and Leonard Taylor and Josh Wiley and Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford and Michael Young Jr. Like you go through a lot of guys. It's like real dude, real dude, real dude, real dude, real dude. It, it's, it is, it, it's power five talent. Obviously Luke didn't just spin this out of thin air. And then Bama's ceiling. They got to that ceiling against Georgia. They have not been near that ceiling very much this year. No. The, the team that barely beat Auburn. I mean, that's, that's not a team that should be favored by 14 over Cincinnati. Do you like the Cincinnati side in this? I do. And the Cincinnati plus 14 is, is going to be a best bet for me. I make this line nine and a half. You know, I, I would understand if it was 10 to me, this is the, the books protecting themselves against the, the inevitable Bama betting surge that that's always going to come. And even, even at this inflated number of 14, the last time I looked, Bama's getting over 80% of the bets and over 80% of the money. Uh, so, I mean, like everybody in the world is on Alabama, which you know how I feel about that. So that's like an auto bet. Uh, for me, for Cincinnati, uh, to to me, to to make a basketball analogy in this game, Alabama to me is like that AAU team that recruits from like a 250 mile radius, and they've got a bunch of five stars. Whereas Cincinnati, just like this homegrown team, but they're well coached and they're all just really solid, really fundamental players. 
that can come and kick your butt if you're not if you're not mentally ready. And to me, that's that's what this is. And and I I'll side with the team that that's going to be mentally locked in and disciplined. And I mean, and like I was saying about um, Utah earlier, I, this is Cincinnati Super Bowl. I mean, they've yes. they they they're wearing the weight of the entire group of five on their shoulders in this game. And if they come get blown out, uh, the group of five will never sniff the playoff again. So I, I think um, I hope for Cincinnati's sake that Luke Fickle treats this game differently than he did the Ohio state game a couple years ago, which I know you've pointed out a, a few times, you know, in, in trying to make it not a big deal, you end up, you know, psyching yourself out and just getting smoked. So I, I think I would hope he's learned from that and and they'll come in much more mentally, mentally prepared for this game. Yeah, they, they do. They are sort of a standard bearer for something. And it's like, do you rise to that occasion or do you allow that pressure to be a burden? And I think Luke learned a lot from what happened at Ohio stadium in 2019. I think you saw the way they played right with Georgia in the bowl game last year. And that they, the last two years have known they can't lose. They have to be perfect every week and they've carried yeah. that and they've survived for two years. So even though it's Tulane and Tulsa and Navy and Temple and South Florida and UCF and Houston and SMU, you still can't lose. Yeah. That is a mental burden. And they living through that and coming out the other side and getting this reward. Um, I, I think they won't be weighed down by that. So I, I do really like the idea of, plus, I mean, if you live in Ohio, it's fun, bet on Cincinnati. Yeah. But I, I like the idea of of betting Cincinnati as a very reasonable pick in this game as well. What what else stands out to you in bowl season? I think some people get super psyched for bowl season. I think there's a is there a bowl going on right now? I right think. now, yeah. Middle Maybe. Middle Tennessee State and, and Toledo are playing right now. That's um, I I have never, you know, sometimes you do the ESPN bowl pick them thing, whatever. That's fun. And you sign the weight and like I didn't do it this year. I like doing those things. But like the idea of like, oh, there's a college football game on. Oh, I can't believe it. It's like for real Toledo, Middle Tennessee State and some boondoggle and some some place. I don't even know where yeah. it is. And some guys in in check checkered coats came and invited them to come play in their city. Like, are you are you actually excited by that? Sometimes I'm I'm dumbfounded by that. The great matchups. Great. Um, and again, by the way, some of the great matchups already, Kenny Pickett, not playing for Pitt, Kenneth Walker, the third, not playing for Michigan state in that bowl matchup. We know that's going to happen. Anything that's not the playoff, you risk that again, my expectation is at least a couple of Ohio state guys won't play. Where are you landing right now on T shoes got his eye on this game? Yeah, I, so, so like I mentioned earlier, I am going to be on Clemson plus one and a half against Iowa state. I basically project that game at a pick them. Uh, but this is, again, this is one of those situations where Clemson is an underdog. And I, I just, I trust Clemson more than I trust Iowa state in a big game like this. And the other side of this is this line is assuming Brees Hall plays for Iowa state. Hmm. I am not operating under that assumption. I, I mean, he may, and if he does, I still would, would take Clemson plus the points, but I think he's going to opt out. And I think the line's going to, I think Clemson is going to end up favored in this game. So I'm, I'm going to get the early, um, the early value there on Clemson. And then I also, uh, like I said, I like Cincinnati plus 14 against Alabama in the playoff. And then the Notre Dame, Oklahoma state game, I'm going to be mm -hmm. on the over. Um, I project that at 52 and a half and the over under is 45 and a half. So that's just a sheer value play for me. Uh, those, those are really the, the three that I, 
that I really like. No um, Jim Knowles, no Jim Knowles, man. Right. I mean, he's not yeah. running the Oklahoma state defense for that yeah, game. It, so, yep. and Marcus Freeman wants to come out and show people what he's all about. And Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator wants to start spinning some stuff, man. I, I, I think that's another good reason for, for your over to be very yep. back there. And then uh, my, so my last, last one I'll give out is uh, Oklahoma minus, minus four and a half against Oregon. I know there's no Lincoln Riley. There's also no Mario Cristobal on the other side of that. Um, in these types of games where coaches are gone, you look at what the motivation is, what are teams looking ahead for next year. And I'm, Caleb Williams still has a lot to prove. So I, yeah. I think I think he's good enough that if he just comes out and is like, I'm just going to go get this win, I, I think I think he's good enough to do that. So uh, I, I definitely would be on Oklahoma. And, and I mean, Oregon had playoff aspirations again, just a couple of weeks ago, and they've gotten just their teeth kicked in, you know, in two games against Utah. So I, I think they're kind of ending the season on a, on a downward trend, whereas Oklahoma uh, might be, I mean, I know they lost to Oklahoma state, but they're, they're going to be trending up heading into next year uh, with, with Brent Venables as, as the coach and Caleb Williams back at quarterback. So uh, I like Oklahoma minus four and a half. All right. So mark those down people uh, in case you do this stuff. And when we come back, we'll finish up real quickly with what's coming and advice about if you maybe you're going to start doing this stuff next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Doug Lamarie is back with Tyler Shoemaker. Tyler, but before I forget, again, give the people your Twitter handle and then uh, where else they can find your stuff. I know I was on that section. Is it section 11 or section 111? Section 111. Section 111 podcast that your brother does. I was on there with you guys a couple weeks ago. Um, you, you are on there from time to time. What's the the Twitter handle for the folks? Yeah, definitely follow me at Buckeye Tie Twenty Three. Uh, so you know any any best bets that I make, I, I tweet out every single bet that I make, and any any pertinent information that I come across, I generally will tweet that out too. So if you're if you're into this sort of thing, um, hopefully get some good stuff from my Twitter. All right, and I think maybe more people are going to start getting into it because the the Ohio legislature, like they're finally passing it, they're going to do it. We're going to have sports betting in Ohio for next football season. I mean, it'll. it'll start before that i think in 2022 but again i so my my i'm from pennsylvania originally and so i've gone you know a couple times um during the football season i went back to see my mom and see some friends and, and when i was there i signed up for one of the online accounts in pennsylvania because pennsylvania's had this for a while just a dork around buckeye talk just because i wanted to see like how it worked what what's the app experience like how much do you have to bet what kind of things can you bet on and the answer is like the app experience is super easy. You can bet on anything and you can bet like a nickel. So like the other week when I was back home, it was at the low, low, lowest ebb of the Kansas City Chiefs being like, people are like, I don't even know if they're gonna make the playoffs. And they had bets on who will be the number one seed in the AFC. Not, not who's going to win the Super Bowl, just who will be the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. And the Chiefs were 50 to one. And I was like, wow. well, there's, there's still the Chiefs. So <laughs> I bet that. And now, like, they're like tied for the number one seed right now. And there you go. I kind of like my chances. Tyler Shoemaker, guess how much I bet at 50 to one? Five bucks. One dollar. <laughs> Hey, hey, that's that's good ROI. That's okay. One. That's, that's the name of the game. One dollar <laughs> because you can bet one dollar, which like that's like that's the kind of person I am. So I mean, I'm terrible, as we've seen. There we have we have definitive proof that I am terrible at this. But like just doing weird little stuff like that. I mean, it's not. 
to bet $1 on a game so you can win $1. I mean, that doesn't make much sense, but to bet $1 on something at 50 to one, I don't know. So like, there's all kinds of opportunities with stuff like that to dork around. And there's a lot of future stuff. They have all kinds of different sports. I'm assuming the exact same kind of apps are going to come to Ohio that they have in Pennsylvania. You, just, you don't even need to go anywhere. You do it on your phone. You do it in your house. As long as you're in the state and you sign up with like a credit card and put 25 bucks in, you can make 25 $1 bets on, you know, who's going to win the Wimbledon next year or whatever. I don't know if that's the best way to get rich and get the lake house <laughs> next to Tyler Shoemaker and his Bitcoin wife. <laughs> what I would not call myself a sports better, but if it's going to be legal in my state, I am a sports fan. I have $25, whatever. Would you have any advice for them on here's a good way to maybe enjoy yourself without throwing money off a cliff time after time after time? Are there ty- are futures bets good? Are they dumb? Are you better off trying to take money lines in games where you maybe get less odds on a favorite, but you just have to win? You don't have to worry about point spreads. Are, a lot of times, some of your best bets are over-unders. Are sometimes those smarter bets than trying to pick that's a st- how the, the style of a game rather than who's going to win it. What, what, would, what advice would you have for the sort of novice gambler who might decide to get a betting app on their phone? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, few, I don't, I personally don't really get into futures a whole lot. Um, but if you are going to, I mean, my advice would be kind of what I said earlier, and that's, you know, to treat it kind of like a stock. And then, and that's what you did with Kansas city, who, you know, at one point was a really hot stock, you know, quote unquote stock, you got them at their low point, you bought low and you know, that, that might pay off 50 to one for you. So I, if you're going to bet futures, honestly, that's, that's the way you would want to do it uh, in terms of, of single games for, for beginning betters. I think the, there's a lot of enticement to want to do like all these like crazy, like teasers and parlays and like, you know, try to bet 50 bucks to win $40,000 because that's what the action network, tweets out all the time but like the odds of doing that you know if you put a couple bucks on it whatever it, you know it's, it's probably worth it but if you're going to do it like on a regular basis i i would really recommend sticking to single game bets um and you know whether you like the side or the total i would just have some sort of basis for for your bet um and my personal take is to have some sort of number basis for that because that's really what it comes down to is the number because if you just say okay these two teams are playing i like the over no matter what well if that line gets driven up six points you've lost a touchdown worth of value on that bet why would you still bet the over you know so just little things like that um i I think could would have helped me when i was starting out is it okay if this if the system that you would come up with is just follow Tyler Shoemaker on Twitter and do what he says. That'd be a good hey, that, that's, that's perfectly fine too. That's why I give out the information for free. <laughs> you can't be afraid to listen to smart people, right? That like the idea, oh, of like, oh, no, I don't want to listen to the experts. I want to go with my gut. And it's like, what are you doing? You were setting your money on fire, you idiot. So, um, I, I mean, it can be fun. It's here, man. And again, every now and then when, when we do a little bit of the gambling talk, sometimes, we'll get texters who are like, I don't really care about that. And that's great. I mean, that's great. And some people just don't know much about it. You know, we are, it's when it's in Ohio, we're just going to talk about it. I mean, you're going to hear people talk about it like during games and stuff and in network shows, and it's just going to become more of a fundamental part 
of sports. Now you can ignore it, right? Just like you can ignore analytics or you can ignore if people are talking about off-field issues, you just want to watch the game for the game. That's great. But there are more and more things that go into it. And gambling man is not going away. It's always been here and now it's out in the sunlight and it's going to be anywhere. And that's going to include the state of Ohio in 2022. So at cleveland.com and on our podcast, we're just going to find ways to talk about it in what is like an interesting informational, hopefully, hopefully more educated than, you know, six, 16 and two kind of way without making it the, you know, that's not the main thing we're going to do, but it's part of sports, man. And Tyler, you found a way, how did you sort of wind up doing this that you Tyler shoemaker, Father, husband, husband of an investor, a simple man with simple dreams, sitting in an office with photos of his family behind him on the wall. How did you come up with the T-shoe system of football sports betting? Where, where did it come from? A lot of a lot of trial and error. And I'm just I'm just really, really competitive. So, you know, when I first started just kind of recreationally betting in 2017, it was like, okay, kind of, kind of like you were saying, like, I don't want to just set my money on fire. So let me, let me read about everything I can learn about this and then just trial and error and, and different formulas and different, you know, I mean, there's just so many stats and so like, there's so much information trying to just sift through it and put it in the right formula to be able to come up with a reasonable, accurate projection um, has, has really taken me a while to do, but I feel I feel good about where I'm at now as far as the projection system. And uh, I've actually expanded here in the last month or two. I'm now projecting uh, college basketball and NBA games. And and the projections have been excellent, um, well, well above, um, you know, profitable margin for those that, that don't know. If you're assuming just the basic minus 110 odds, you need to be at 52.3% to break even. Um, and, and all of my basketball numbers are 55% plus. So, and that's if I bet every single game that I, cause I project every single game and then, you know, pick, pick which ones I like. So uh, I'm, I'm now transitioning from, from football to basketball. So I'm, I'm hoping to be able to do this basically year round other than baseball season. Cause I don't, I don't touch baseball. <laughs> so I was talking the other day about, how I dropped calculus in high school and I don't need no calculizing. Does that sound like I would be capable of coming up with a number system to win money on sports? Yeah. Can I mean, anybody do it or am I, is the line like you just got to be smarter than Doug, but anybody else could do it. No. Like if, if I really just explain to you the gist of how I come up, come up with my projections, like it would sound so simple, like, well, yeah, you idiot. Why didn't you think of that four years ago? But it, it definitely has taken me a long time to get to this point, but um yeah, no, you could, you could, you could figure it out. I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> All right, uh, so what I'm gonna do. That's my off-season project. I probably should like write stories or you know do narrative podcasts. Instead, I'm gonna come up with my own betting formula. So at least uh, I'll have math behind my losing ways a year from now. Yeah, well, it, like I said, it, it seems so simple when you, when you, if I just gave you the answer, you'd be like, oh yeah, well, that's who wouldn't think of that? Like, like Ari the other day is telling me. Oh, you know what? You should look into this, this, this. I'm like, all right, do you know how much time that would take <laughs> to, to like, yes, that seems like a simple concept, but for me to comb through an entire season and try to pick out these things that you're talking about would take like months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, when I'm looking at you, you are not in a dark cave. You are in a house with windows and other people <laughs> who live there. And this is not something that you do 20 hours a day. 
Uh, okay. I, I like talking about this stuff on occasion with smart people and you're my smart person, T-Shoe. So we appreciate you making time for Buckeye Talk. Again, everybody go follow Tyler on Twitter. Tyler, happy holidays, man. Good to Thanks, talk to happy you. Happy holidays to you. Always good to have our guy T-Shoe back in here. We will be back next week. Our plan at the moment is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So four podcasts for you next week. We will record the Monday podcast on Monday. So we're giving this to you on Saturday as our fifth podcast this week. We'll record the Monday pod on Monday. So it won't be up right away Monday morning. But I know among the things we're planning next week, we'll do a rapid fire. We'll do some kind of Ohio State, Utah preview based on sort of watching some Utah games and that kind of thing before you get out to the Rose Bowl and start doing on the scene analyzing of things. And then we do want to do sort of a state of the program reset and we'll send a bunch of questions out to our tech subscribers for that. So if you want to be part of that, good time to be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315. I'll get you signed up for that for a two-week free trial. For Tyler Shoemaker, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.